Welcome once again to the Suns Jam Session podcast on the Bright Side of the Sun Podcast Network. Make sure that you follow the pod on Instagram and Twitter at Suns Jam. I'm one of your co-hosts. I'm John. You can follow me at Darth Voida. And as per usual, I'm joined by my podcasting brethren, Mr. Matthew Lissy. How you doing? Look at that valley what's hat, up? bro. Yeah, what's up, fellas? How you doing? Dude, you doing, that, that, that hat looks... Okay, so I ordered mine That's online beautiful. today. How yeah. do you already have it? How did you expedite uh, that? I just I went to the store. I went to Kmart right there, right <laughs> when you walk into Kmart. Just it's right by the register. There's no <laughs> way that's at Kmart, dude. Shut up. <laughs> no, I just went to Lids. I was like, it has to be in the stores right now. So I went to go check it out. And there they were. Beautiful. There's like four of them left. I felt like there was gonna be a line out the door if they were there, but no, four of them left. I grabbed one and I feel like everyone's waiting for them to come in. But yes. I just went to the store. You know, I just got my butt up and went. Well, that is a beautiful looking hat. I'm wearing like our Suns Jam Session version of the Valley tonight because today yeah. was the day where the Suns released all the Valley merch and, you know, it's the City Edition stuff. It's out there. I've got my Devin Booker jersey ordered. I've got my hat that you're wearing. That's going to be really awkward yeah. when, we, when we're doing this podcast and we're both wearing that same hat. For the next like year. Nerd. For the next year, we're going to look exactly the same. Even when we go to bars or hang out outside of this podcast, we're always going to have this hat on. It's a beautiful hat. Yeah, I, I mean, other people seriously, the like way. the only way that we're going to be distinguished uh, or uh, apart from each other is I've got a beard and you got glasses. We'll be other than that, we look the exact yeah. same. <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, man. Well, uh, that looks fantastic. Thank you to all the jamsters who are joining us. Whether you're live on YouTube, Facebook, or Twitter, or you're listening to the podcast the next day, we truly appreciate it. Plenty of news to get to. It's obviously it's Suns Media Week. Uh, the schedule's been released, and you know we. Didn't get an opening day or a Christmas day. So we'll deal with that a little yeah. bit later. But we also are going to be joined by the editor-in-chief of The Bird Rights, which is SB Nation's New Orleans Pelican site. And that is Ollie Cosell. He's actually going to join us and give us a little kind of insight to Etwan Moore, one of the newest members of the Phoenix Suns. So he'll be doing that momentarily. Until that time, I'm going to crack open a beer. Let's go, fellas. That cat looks sweet, man. This is a, it's a great day to be a Suns fan. Cheers. So Etwan Moore is one of the newest members of the Phoenix Suns, an acquisition that James Jones brought in to assist in shoring up that bench depth, add a little scoring behind Devin Booker. And I'll, 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 I'll be honest, I don't know much about Etwan Moore. And that is why we have Ollie Cosell here, editor-in-chief from the Bird Rights. Ollie, how are you doing this evening, my friend? I'm doing great, guys. But seeing you open up that beer a minute ago, and that makes me envious, and I want to run to my fridge, too. <laughs> I was actually going to ask you before we came on. I wanted to see if you had a drink or not. I saw you were drinking something, but I didn't know what it was, so I was going to ask water. Sorry, we should have prepared you. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a little thing we do here on the Suns Jam Sessions. We, we, sit, we love talking about our Phoenix Suns, and we got to drink while we do so. We're pretty much – what describes us is we're the two guys at the bar, you know, when it's non-COVID season, who are sitting in the TV, living and dying with every play, while everybody else is watching something else because it's really high, hard to find a Suns game on TV <laughs> in a bar in Phoenix. It's very, very, very sad. <laughs> so I got I got to ask you, Ollie. Have problem normally in New Orleans. Really? I just want to let you know we had the same problem for years here in New Orleans. Even when they were having winning seasons, right, the two playoff seasons in Anthony Davis era, you still couldn't find yeah. the Pelicans on TV, right? Everybody was talking about the Saints, LSU football, or even baseball, college baseball. 
took precedence over the Pelicans. So yeah, I know what you guys are talking about. Yeah, that that's the worst feeling in the world. I mean, uh, we we try to make it there to like get a good seat, but it doesn't even matter. We have to ask for the smallest TV to be turned on to watch the sun. So, I mean, now we just sit at home and watch them, which is fine with me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I got to ask you, Ollie. I mean, how are you feeling about the Pelicans as you enter this new season? Uh, you know, every year you, you learn to temper your expectations, right? You come in with high ones like last year. Let's we'll just say last year because Zion Williamson, generational talent, and you saw him completely dominate preseason. And, of course, the knee surgery, the meniscus surgery, wipes him out. He was only supposed to be out for six weeks, ended up being closer to, what, two and a half, three months. And, you know, by that time, the Pelicans were really, you know, behind the eight ball. They suffered through a lot of injury, had a 13-game losing streak, set a nice little franchise record there. But you know what? You started feeling better once he came back. The team started playing better. So you guys, as you know, you were in the bubble. Phoenix got invited along with New Orleans because they actually played, earned their way in because the NBA decided to give a few more teams right after the eighth seed away into Orlando. So as for this season, you know, what you're hoping for is just not a repeat you want to see these guys stay on the court. That's what it's going to come down to, really. Brandon Ingram was an all-star. Zion, can he take the next step? Because when he was on the court, guys, he put up special numbers. And then oh, yeah. the Ball had a good three-month period. So you kind of like what you saw last year. You're just hoping that you can see more of it consistently this year. Yeah, the, the Pelicans are actually one of those teams John and I root for because a lot of them came from the Lakers, which we love Lonzo Ball. We love Brandon Ingram. Both those guys are awesome, but then also their head coach was Alvin Gentry, an old Suns coach that we loved when he was here, but now he's gone. I mean, how are you feeling now that he's not with the team anymore? He's a great guy. He's probably the fav- my favorite coach I've ever talked to because he's honestly that genuine of a person. He actually cares about you. Most you know coaches, they just get their five, 10 minutes out of the way with the media, don't really get to learn or know anybody. Alvin was just the opposite. He was a truly caring person, and he would he, he would devote a lot of time to us, you know, off camera. So we learned a lot of interesting oh, cool. stories, uh, a lot of backgrounds as to what was going on with the team, right, off the record. And that's very important. When you're a writer, you kind of want to have a vibe of what's really going on. So he kind of clued us in. And I thought that made, you know, for great spectacular reporting on our end. So hats off to Alvin. I thought, you know, he didn't have the best, of course, four-year record here. In New Orleans, but you know what? He was handed some difficult teams, and you know, three of the four years, injuries really decimated the roster. So you hate using that excuse, but you know what? Del Demps built a lot of those rosters that just were kind of subpar, guys. So, anyways, best of luck to Alvin. Right? He's now what in Sacramento as an assistant. Honestly, I think yeah. he's a better fit as an assistant because he's a brilliant offensive mind, but. He's just that much of a nice guy that you just wonder, can he really like coach up young guys, get them to exert 110% effort? Because we saw times, right, last year, years before, where you you wondered, is he really motivating the guys? Because they just didn't put forth the effort like you see out of, you know, Monty Williams, for instance, with you guys last year, right? So, yeah, Alvin, great guy, but I just don't think as a head coach, he's elite material. John, you want to mute? <laughs> to echo Matthew's point, uh, the Pellies are a team that we love. And hearing you know that about Alvin Gentry, I mean, that's where he excelled here in Phoenix behind Mac, uh, Mike D'Antoni was then as, as an assistant coach. So Sacramento definitely gained a, a 
popular guy, you know, here in Phoenix by going up there and we'll see how he does. Best of luck to him. Uh, I hope they still fall below the suns in the standings, of course. Uh, you know, each one more has now come to Phoenix. Do you feel that this off season that your team got better, got worse or stayed the same? I would say, you know, honestly, I would have to say stayed the same because they're really just relying on um, improvement from the guys that were here last year. Lonzo, B.I., Zion are all going to have to take steps forward. Kyra Lewis, who is the only draft pick they got uh, this last draft, isn't going to be ready. I don't think hardly any rookie guys, as you probably know. You can't expect yeah. them to be ready. No summer league, NCAA ball stopped what, last March. So these kids haven't been playing much at all. Any kind of organized ball, getting coached up enough. So you, you worry about these kids. So I don't think our coach, anyways, Stan Van Gundy, new hire here, I don't think he's going to throw them out there. You kind of – We've already had our introductory press conferences with Stan Van and uh, David Griffin, and they alluded to the fact that we're probably not going to see much of him for at least the first two months. Well, with Etwan Moore, now he's with Phoenix. Um, I mean, he's played four years with the Pelicans. Uh, are you going to miss him or are you not going to miss him? Is there anything you want to give us a heads up on or why you might miss him or why you might not? I will miss him. He's a fantastic locker room guy. He's one of the quietest but most professional athletes I've ever come across. And I've been covering this team for 10 years, but inside the locker room for the last four. Um, and each one always struck me as a guy you want to have on your roster. Uh, Drew Holiday would echo with some of the bigger stars, Anthony Davis. And there were highs to each one's uh, stay here during his career where you actually were shocked by how good of a player he is. So besides the person, the on-the-court talent is really there. Um, if you guys can recall that 2016 NBA free agency, right, everybody got handed mass money, didn't deserve it. Yeah. Timothy Mozgov's <laughs> Luol Dang, Andler Parsons. Well, guess what? Each one more got paid 32, 33, $34 for four years, and he was every bit worth that contract. That's great to hear. I mean, <laughs> this is the positive thing, okay? And, and it shows that Monty Williams is trying to develop kind of a solid locker room, which has kind of been a challenge for the Suns over the past decade, you know, making sure that we've shored up those quality characters and, and individuals to join the team. Were you surprised that he didn't resign with the Pelicans, or was it something that you kind of expected going into free agency? We all expected him to leave. Last year, his role really got minimized. Um, Alvin, you know, he, he was given a tough position. At first, it was, let's try and win as many games as we can. So each one saw a consistent role. But once that 13-game losing streak hit, it became a lot more about development. And each one started earning a lot of DNPs. And there were a lot of guys that weren't too happy with that decision, even inside the locker room, right? So when each one was given another chance, you kind of heard basically from the guys. I remember Drew Holiday being one specifically saying, uh, yeah, this is what Etuan does. And what he does is provide great scoring, right? If you need a secondary, a tertiary, maybe a fourth score, Etuan's your guy off the bench especially. Um, coming from the Bulls before he went to New Orleans, he was just known as kind of a 3 and D guy to make the three, and he'll give you some decent defense because even though he stands six foot four, he's got a length of six foot nine wingspan. So oh, wow. we saw that in New Orleans to where, guess what? He was thrown in as the starter at small forward, and the team actually did really well. In that 2017-18 season where they made the playoffs, swept the Blazers in the first round, the big reason why was because each one was so solid. 
you could count on his production to be that fourth score that when he catches the ball on the wing, he's, he's making over 40% of his threes. But one thing people don't know is he's got like an old school game to him. YMCA style. So when he's, he's, he's not going to beat almost nobody off the dribble. He, he's got subpar athleticism, but what he does is he's got old school tricks to get somehow into the lane. He doesn't need to get to the rim. Actually, I don't think he wants to get to the rim because he can't elevate. What he does do is shoot a lot of those mid range shots. I don't know if people know this, but he has got one of the best floaters, and we've seen it for, I want to say, the last six, seven years. It's comparable in terms of efficiency and volume to DeMar DeRozan. So when you put that together with that three-point prowess, yeah, he can score pretty much from anywhere. So offensively, he's great. Defensively, like I said, he's versatile. And he was a combo guard when we got him, but guess what? He became one of those now great wing players because the league got smaller. So I think you guys are getting a heck of a steal. On a minimum deal, I thought for sure somebody would give him more, but a minimum deal, that's outstanding. Yeah, it sounds like it. This is awesome. I love this. Like, <laughs> honestly, the floater is a big thing for me. I love it when a player can have a floater, and especially when he's efficient with it. Um, but when I've watched film on him or tape, uh, YouTube highlights, he does look like a little bit of a smaller TJ Warren, which is a scorer in mid range. And he shoots a three. He kind of has the same kind of pullback like TJ has in a way, but it's a little bit shorter of an arc. But um, now that he's here in Phoenix, so did you actually think that Phoenix was a destination or did you really pay attention to where he might go? Because you said he's not going to come back to the Pelicans, but did you think Phoenix was a destination and you think it's a great fit basically here? We didn't hear about where he was going to go. We just knew that he likely wasn't going to return to New Orleans. You know, he was on the, put up on a trade block a year and a half ago, but David Griffin okay. decided when he took the job to uh, keep the vets around and they really thought the Pelicans were challenged for a playoff. So they wanted to have his veteran presence along with JJ off the bench. But as I've already said, you guys know it didn't work out. So it's not a shock he left, but we never, like I said, heard about too much about uh, destinations. I just knew that some contender, you know, you always need shooting. Almost every team still needs shooting. So you knew that he was probably going to latch on with somebody, but going to Phoenix. Wow. I'm telling you, I love what Phoenix has done this <laughs> off season. I mean, we saw of course that little nice eight Oh bubble run and it was shame. They couldn't get into the playoffs, but yeah. There's so much to be excited about. I mean, you guys know Chris Paul. He started his career in New Orleans, but we still love Chris Paul. And now you get each one more. You signed Langston Galloway. You guys did well in the draft. You guys got a good young core to begin with. I'm telling you, it's exciting. So I love the fit. For Phoenix, I absolutely love the fit with more because they needed some more bets besides CP3. Now that's, again, it's, it's great to hear these things because for so many years – it hasn't been this kind of conversation as we enter the the regular season. It's uh, Devin Booker and who, yeah. uh, you know, as somebody who's covered um, the Pelicans I'm sure, and and had access to Etwan more. What what's your favorite story of his t during his time there? Uh, he hates negativity. Good I've got a friend who's yeah, a really good. writer, and this was when the Pelicans, as usual, were not playing well. Right, the stretch where they lose five out of six, seven out of nine. And so you have to ask some difficult questions like what went wrong? And you start asking for more detail. Well, my friend asked us a couple of questions. He's like, man, why are you always so negative? And the whole locker room just bust out laughing. Because if you know each one, there's no negative bones in his body. He doesn't like the aura, no matter what's going on. He's just such a good flow, positive kind of vibe guy that he just doesn't like to be around. So we always found that to be a kick. Um, as to where a lot of players would get standoffish or something like that, Echon just had that one little simple line, got his message across, everybody laughed and moved on. So 
that's my favorite moment because, you know, he's not outspoken. So he's not going to stick out in your minds for like an emotional speech, um, a game where he's all of a sudden pounding his chest, screaming in the crowd. You know, he's not that guy. So, but that doesn't take away from what he'll give you guys. So trust me, you need, I feel like players that are very level-headed. You just have guys that operate highs and lows. I don't have to tell you this. I mean, you had Kelly Oubre last year. I don't know who else fits in that category for you guys, but you need each one more types in that locker room. Yeah, he's sounds like a very positive guy, and all we've heard so far is good stuff, but are there any bad things you want to let us know about with his play well, or maybe? Yeah, he's, he's on the wrong side wrong side of 30 now, so you worry about okay. injury risk, athleticism, because he was having a real good year after the Pelicans were in the playoffs 2018. He started off on fire first two months. He was averaging, I want to say, about 16 points a game, shooting nearly 50% from three. But then he sustained like a quad bruise or something in his leg, and he was never right the rest of the year. And then, of course, I've already mentioned last year, he, he just never got into a good role all season. So you wonder if you've really seen the best of each one. So how much does he have left in the tank in a good size role? Um, and I've already mentioned to you guys that he's kind of a 3 and D guy, but, you know, as the NBA gets faster, well, each one's not going to get any faster. In fact, he's going to move slower. So I feel like he's lost maybe a step over the last couple of years. So defensively, as for in the past, he could guard a lot of wings. Now I think it's going to be mainly just rotation guys off the bench that he's going to be able to stay with. You can't ask him to play too many starter minutes or going up against starters. And then the last thing I'll say is that combo guard designation he's had throughout his career is wrong, guys. He cannot fill in that point. He doesn't have the confidence, the decision-making, and the passing. Ooh, you want to see some bad law passes thrown? Each one's your guy. He almost killed Anthony Davis yearly. And then, of course, last year we were worried about him maybe murdering Zion. So we're a little bit happy in that respect that he's gone out of town. Okay, so stick with the floaters and no lobs. Got that. Yeah, don't don't throw him to <laughs> DeAndre Ayton. Stay off the court when he's in there because he'll try to lob it up to him, and we don't need to risk you know the 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 secondary franchise guy. So okay, well that's good to know. Well, again, you know, Ollie, we really appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, you know, it, can you tell people where they can follow both you and your work? Sure. Yeah, you guys already mentioned we're over at SB Nation, so the Bird Rights. But on Twitter, we're both on Twitter and Facebook, same name. Or you can follow me personally at my full name, Ali Cosell. Fantastic. Well, we really appreciate you coming on. Uh, we'll go ahead and we'll, ha- we'll have you back on when the Suns are playing the Pelicans in the Western Conference Finals. And uh, remember to bring a beer, okay? <laughs> yeah, next time. I'm going to go back. have a beer and drink to that because I doubt I'm going to do it again this year. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Thank you again, Ollie, for being on the show. Right, yeah. really appreciate Thank you very it. much. That's fantastic to hear, isn't yeah, it, Matthew? I feel great. I, mean, I really I, do. I feel 100% now, man. Well, and like I knew who Atuan Moore was because, you know, kind of just being around the league. But to hear it, you know, from Ali that he is a high character guy, that is a guy who does have that ability to to score, which is what we need to shore up, you know, kind of the backup to Devin Booker. It's where is those points going to consistently come from? It sounds like Etuan uh, Moore is a guy who can assist in providing those. And, you know, him with uh, Langston Galloway, it's going to be really interesting to see how Monty Williams balances that bench. Yeah, I mean, we just got confirmation. Not only does he shoot the three, he can shoot the mid-range and the floater. And the floater has always been big for me. So to hear that, I mean, I feel I feel great, dude. That was, yeah, that I, was I'm, awesome. Yeah, very well, positive let's, stuff. Let, let, let's take a look at some of uh, the, the chat. You know, thank you for anyone who's joining us on YouTube, Twitter, or Facebook. We really appreciate it. Uh, Vincent Stefanelli, uh, I know he's a big Boiler fan. So Etuan talk, Boiler up, you know. And then he really breaks down 
who he is. He's like, hey, his, his na- nickname is Smooge, so that's good to know. Uh, he went to yeah. a high school near me in East Chicago Central and went to, to, to Purdue, drafted by Boston, solid pro and good dude. And that's what you need. You need solid pros, you know. Uh, uh, Ali mentioned that he's on the he's, – he's over 30. But you know what? We needed a couple guys who are over 30. With Jay Crowder, Chris Paul, and now Etwan Moore, you have a guy who can be – who can guide our young, young players. And I think that that's going to be nothing but positive for the team. But yeah. And like the one thing that we always had to worry about is like Elio Kobo coming in and just like wasting those minutes, pretty much him trying to learn the game and turning the ball over a lot. I know he mentioned just that Antoine Moore was a guy that can't really pass the ball with lobs or might throw the ball away, but at least he knows, Hey, if Monty knows just stick with him just for scoring and that's what he's going to come in and do. I feel like we're going to be, that's the best thing that we can ask for, which is great. We don't have to deal with these guys coming off the bench or younger and just wasting minutes and then contributing to a loss in the end. Yeah. And it's, I, I love this quote or this, uh, yeah, quote, terrible roster for so many years. And suddenly we had all these quality guys in one summer question mark from Isoquant on YouTube. Yeah. Yes. Isn't it crazy? Like what it happens when you, when you have a general manager and a coach who have done a one year and a half, essentially it's a year and a half because of everything yeah. that went on in 2020 and how long James Jones and Monty Williams have been a part of this organization running it. Yeah. But a culture is being built. And guess what happens when you have a good culture? You get good guys. You get good backup guys. You get guys who want to assist and be a part of something special, as Jay Crowder mentioned. And that kind of takes us right into our next segment, which is, uh, Suns Media Week has been this week, man. I mean, there, there's so much to talk about. I don't yeah. even know where to begin right now. I mean, all the Suns are, you know, going back to practice, getting, you know, to know each other, and they're having that opportunity to talk with the media. And we're starting to hear a lot of really good things come out of these interviews. Yeah, I mean, well, we can start with Jay Crowder because that was the one where I feel like I kicked it off this week. It's just him and the interview with Burns and Gambo coming on. And, of course, just like our last interview right now, just all positive stuff about wanting to be here, of course. And it's a front office that knows ball players. It's a front office that knows who to bring in and contribute at the right places. Jay Crowder is a perfect example. He's going to be the guy that's a veteran. He's going to lead. But also, like Chris Paul even said today, he's going to be part of the team. He actually wants to play on a team, not more than a year, not get the max contract for like a year. He wants to stay here. He wants to build something. And a lot of the guys that are coming out, I feel like want to do that. I know Etwan Moore just got the one year deal, but I mean, who knows after that, but I think these guys will come, come in and they're going to contribute right away. Yeah. Etwan Moore one year, $2.4 million for everything that Ollie just yeah. said. And that is exactly. And he so, got paid before too. Yeah. So, I mean, he's, he's here. He wants to win and he wants to be a part of something special. And, uh, let, let's go ahead and let's play that Jay, part of that Jay Crowder clip. Uh, he was on okay. Burns and Gambo earlier in the, earlier this week, and he was, like you said, the first guy who we really heard from that is new to this organization, and, and we got some insight as to what he thought about being a member of the Phoenix Suns. He was a guy who uh, he called my phone during the, the free agency period of, of, of recruiting me to come play here, and I think I feel like that was big for me to hear uh, not only just the organization and, and the coaches staff called me, but – to hear from our, the players that's on the team, uh, there's no greater respect in this league than you get. You have respect from the peers, the guys who you go against each and every night. And so, from getting a phone call from Chris Paul and and Devin, it definitely uh, helped me make my decision uh, to come join these guys and, and try to put together. And that's what was so important. And one thing we talked about all throughout why the bubble was so important because it developed this reputation for the Suns. It put the Suns in close proximity to a lot of teams that were winners. And it said, hey, this is what we have going on in Phoenix right now. And then everybody got to see that eight no bubble run. And then next thing you know, CP3 is a part of a deal, probably because he was talking to Devin Booker in the bubble. And then 
Devin Booker and Chris Paul call Jay Crowder when he's in free agency and be like, hey, man, you're a, you're a hard-nosed son of a bitch, and we want you to come play for Phoenix. And he took less money. He could have gone back to Dallas, a place that he was drafted by, a place that he's familiar with. I mean, think about it. If you're drafted by a team, you you know where how, how to get to the arena. You know the local area. There's a favorite donut shop you probably have. You know, you've owned a house there most likely. And he he passed all that up for less money to come to Phoenix because of the reputation of Chris Paul and the grind that is Devin Booker. And that's what brought him here. And that's exciting. Yeah, man, we're, we're an unselfish team here. Not we, but the Phoenix Suns are unselfish and everyone knows their role. I think in Dallas too, you had to look at it too. Porzingis is going to be hurt. I don't really know that they know the future. Of course you have Doncic that you have Doncic, but still, I feel like it's just the Suns are a more complete team right now. I think we really know where we're going. And for the, for Booker to actually reach out, I mean, that's huge. I think that happens a lot, but that's how much these players respect Booker. And that's what we've been talking about forever. It's like everyone loves Booker. They respect him. He wants to be here and like grow this franchise and everyone's going to eventually want to come here. So, and it's starting right now. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's happening faster than it's funny. Cause it's taken like five years to get to this point, And all of a sudden, I think it's just because of the condensed off season, everything feels like it's happening so fast. Uh, I was listening to uh, another podcast, uh, Suns Mode. It's a new podcast. Uh, guys put four episodes out. So if you get a chance, go listen to that. Um, his name is Valley Sunna. And he was talking about how, you know, excited he is that everything's going on the way it has. And, and you feel like, man, it's all happening so fast. And you sit there and think about it and you go, well, really it hasn't because it's been five years since we drafted Devin Booker and there's been so much pain and agony. And now we have, you know, that vaunted word expectation, but at the same time, like good, I'm glad we have some expectation, man. And, and to have a culture behind that expectation is what's going to propel this team to continual winning. It's not like going out there, having a really good season and then everything, you know, we go back to sucking again. It's like, we want yeah. continual winning. We want a culture. We want to be like the sons of old where every year we're in the playoffs and we're competing for an opportunity to win a, ch- a title. Yeah. That's what Booker wants too. And that's what he's getting. But I think it's just more of like the last two years, once McDonough was gone and then we had James Jones come in, just take over. This is when it really started. And it started last year. Everyone's really questioned what James Jones has done. The front office inexperienced. You hear that all over the place. Mm-hmm. It's an ex- inexperienced front office. But now you're just talking about everyone wants to be here. The players we have, it's a complete team. We might have three all-stars this year. That doesn't sound like inexperienced to me. It's a rookie GM, but he knows the way around the league. And that's what we can trust and that we have trusted the last two years. Well, and that's the key is he knows his way around the league. I mean, did you see LeBron and how he was talking about how his former teammate, James Jones, is doing a great job in Phoenix? You see that clip? I actually did not. Do you have that one? Oh no, that one I don't have. Oh. But I mean, <laughs> no, it was it was great. I, I mean, it's that. sitting there getting interviewed, and he's talking the great job that's going on in Phoenix, and he was adamant about how it was James Jones who's behind it, his former teammate, a, a, a champion with him with the Cavaliers, and that's where even though it's an inexperienced GM, it's somebody who is just a few years removed from the NBA knows a lot of these players and has relationships with these players, these coaches, and you're starting to come to fruition. Where the rookiness, if you will, comes in is how he drafts. And that's where Jalen Smith is the question mark this year. You know, you really don't know what to expect from him. We're going to put trust in James Jones because of how Cameron Johnson uh, performed last year when we thought, you know, James Jones was off his rocker. So, yeah, but we we really don't know. And I think that's clearly been kind of the, the frustration with the Suns franchise is our history with draft picks over the past, you know, 10 years. Say, you know, minus TJ Warren and Devin Booker, everything else and DeAndre Ayton and Mikel Bridges, you know, but I mean, everything else kind of in between that sandwich is a shit sandwich and doesn't taste very good. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. he's very inexperienced, 
in his drafting abilities. And again, we'll see how that comes, but he's not experienced with his relationships that he has in the NBA. And those are utterly valuable to the development and the building of this roster. Yeah. All he even talked about just like this last draft, it's just players that aren't going to be ready to play. We were high on Kyra Lewis. He has yeah. them. He wouldn't. He didn't even really talk about him that much. Just saying how excited he was. He just knows he's not going to play that much. Mm-hmm. This was a guy that we wanted to like fall back for. So it's just it depends who you talk to, who looked at the draft. And I mean, Jalen Smith can turn out to be one of the best players in the draft. So I, I mean, it could happen, but we just have to wait and see, dude. Well, also part of Suns Media Week is you know the other side of how everything has gone down this um, this off season, and unfortunately losing Ricky Rubio and. Uh, Kelly Oubre is something that we once again don't have the greatest reputation as an organization for handling. And um, Cameron Johnson kind of shared his thoughts on how he felt about that. So the NBA kind of hitting you full steam um, when it just happens quick. And, you know, the rumors were circulating. um, But when it happens, it just reality sets in. And it's like, you know, guys like Ricky, Kelly, Ty, Jalen, guys that, you know, we, we kind of, I came into the league with Ty and Jalen, um, Kelly, another win with us, Ricky point guard, you know, it's just guys that you played so much with, um, you having to see them go is it, tough, you know, and, and as a, as a, you know, finishing my first year, that was the first time that, you know, the reality of that really hit me. But then on the flip side, you get a guy like Chris, which is, which is invaluable. Like you can't, you can't put a value to that. Just something to learn from somebody to play with. Um, and just his body of work. I mean, I've been watching him play since Wake Forest, you know, since I was real young. So it's real cool to have somebody like that in the gym on our team um, able to lead us. I can put a value on Chris Paul's $44 million a year. <laughs> but still, you know, I, I get what Cam yeah, saying. And that's kind of, you know, as we were just talking about, the inexperienced side of James Jones is is that and and how to deal with transactions and informing players slash agents and utilizing social media and the the tools at your disposal to effectively communicate with your players. And I think that, you know, Cameron Johnson, he kind of alluded to that's one of the things that took him off guard in his first offseason as a professional basketball player. But how are these players supposed to really know what they're going to trade or not? I mean, everything's released on the internet right away within, I don't know, what is it, 20 minutes before anybody really knows? Like, everyone can see it on social media. So, I mean, I guess Ricky Rubio and Kelly Oubre, whatever happened, where they just weren't really in, they seemed like they were in regard of their own career and just didn't know where the hell they were going to go but it ends up like they don't know and when they do find out whichever way it happens nowadays i feel like you can't really take it too harsh against the the organization you're with now which is phoenix but what you can do is you can just say like hey like it happened and we have to move on i mean they're better players for it i feel like kelly Oubre and uh ricky rubio so it does suck but it's funny because we always talk about booker and all his players he's played with over his career what is it like 80 or 90 different players or something crazy like that so i mean he's been around it too of course booker's more focused like he's not he's an untradeable asset but cam johnson i mean it's his first year and like two of the main people that helped us win games last year are already gone. So for him to see it this early, I mean, it's the way of the business, but I mean, at least he's getting a taste of it this early, I think. Well, and hopefully it allows for maturity from his standpoint and seeing how not to react, I would say, because there was a lot of trades. I mean, one of the biggest trades, and I'm sure we'll talk about this a little bit later, but like John Wall and Russell Westbrook, like, holy shit, we'll see how they both respond. You know, it's like, do you respond as a pro? Do you take the Devin Booker approach to things? and be like, quiet. I'm, a, I'm a quiet and consummate pro. Or do you take kind of the Kelly Oubre 
Uh, you know, and, and don't get me wrong. Kelly Oubre was baited into a lot of the questions, but Kelly's always going to tell you what his, in his heart and how he feels. And yeah. it's not necessarily, uh, always comes off as what's professional in air quotes, but it's, it's real. And that's what we loved about Kelly is the fact that he was real. So, uh, it was interesting hearing that from cam. Another thing that he talked about was, uh, you know, who's the best three pointer point shooter on the team. And he thinks he is. And then Dev Booker made a comment today about how, Hey, he's like, Hey, I got the trophy sitting at home. So, I thought yeah. that was kind of funny. But, of course, the moment that everybody was waiting for was yesterday when Chris Paul spoke to the media for the first time. And uh, there's numerous things that he said, but here's one clip I wanted to bring from that. He's not only, like, talented. You know, like, he's a dog. You know what I mean? Like, he's really competitive. I got no book, like, no book. And when we hoop and play against each other, we'd be about to fight. <laughs> and they'll be about to fight a lot of times. Um, and looking at the staff, you know, uh, Monty uh, is – an unbelievable person, you know what I mean? Like human being, aside from being a great coach, um, it was a, it was a lot of things here. Um, yeah, that's just, you know, here in Monty, here in Devin Booker, you know, we all, we, we knew this and it's something that we've talked about in the past. The reason he's here is both of those reasons, but you know, just seeing Chris Paul with the sun's kind of a uh, uh, logo and, and backdrop behind him and, you know, it's like it's and it's happy. becoming real. Yeah, and happy. You know, it's like it, yeah. it's it's becoming real. And, you know, the expectations are really starting to set in. They really are, dude. And like whenever he talks about him and Booker playing each other, even when Booker was like 15 or something and they just went at it and he just knew from that from the beginning, Booker, there was something in Booker like he had it and he has. And now that they're playing together, they fight with each other and they go head to head to where they almost do get in fights. And that's awesome. That's something like brothers would do, you know, mm -hmm. but it's going to help everybody in the end. Like all these players, even it's the same thing I said about earlier with Jay Crowder, Chris Paul's here. He's, he's, he's a teammate, but he's not only just the guy that's going to teach everyone. He's going to learn too. And I feel like just him and this group, like are just going to grow together. And it's going to be crazy. Cause he's coming in. I think a lot of players, like maybe even Deandre Aiden, I know Aiden said he will talk about later, but he, he was excited and he was that Chris Paul is going to come in here and he can learn a lot, but it's going to be tough dude. like Chris Paul knows what it takes and he's come up short multiple times in the playoffs. So he's going to go even harder than he ever has. I feel like with this team. So to get through that, I, I give my praise to all the Suns players because it's going to be a battle, man. And I think the way that James Jones has constructed this roster is going to allow for Chris Paul to potentially go far in the playoffs. I mean, the key to his success last year was the fact that he had uh, support around him at the guard position and knowing that, yeah, and they took the Rockets to seven games, and the Rockets were a more talented team. You know, this is an extremely talented team that's going to be, you know, ball movement centric. You have a big guy, you have a, a fantastic two guard, you have kind of all the makings of a really good team. And I really think that he's going to have the ability to go far. And it all starts with the attitude, the effort, and then the construction of this roster. Exactly, dude. So, and I don't have the clip of DeAndre Ayton, but my favorite clip of the day was DeAndre Ayton be like, dude, we got Chris Paul. Like he's here in Phoenix. Yeah. We have Chris Paul and it's just, you know, like, uh, Iverson vlogs says in the chat, it feels like a dream. And like, that's what DeAndre Ayton, his, his, his childish nature and his giddiness was he's saying what we all are saying. Like, dude, like Chris Paul is here in Phoenix. Like mm -hmm. how awesome is this? So yeah, he, I mean, Aiden, he's the ooh and ah guy. Like he even said it like his rookie year, like, oh, I'm going against these guys. It was just something I had to step back and be like, am I really playing against this guy? That's the way he always has been. But like I said earlier, dude, it's going to hit him pretty quickly because it's not going to be fun in games. Chris no. Paul's not going to be the guy he saw growing up play. I don't even, I don't know if he watched him when he was younger, but just highlights, whatever he's seen of Chris Paul, 
none of that matters because the behind the scenes stuff is where it really matters. He's going to get exactly. a good taste of that. So we'll see how he responds to all exactly. of that. Exactly. So, and it's going to come in here pretty quick. I mean, today is December 3rd when we're recording this podcast and we have 20, 19 days now until the Suns play. So yep. the NBA released their NBA schedule, at least some key dates, opening day, the, the, the following day, and then Christmas day, starting on the 22nd. And the Suns didn't make a Christmas Day game, okay? So your Christmas Day matchups are going to be the Pelicans at the Heat, the Golden State Warriors at the Bucks, the Nets at the Celtics, the Mavs at the Lakers, and the Clippers at the Nuggets. Are you disappointed that we didn't get a Christmas Day game or you, and or are you disappointed that we didn't get an opening <laughs> night game? I mean, you're going to have Golden State versus the, the Nets and the Clippers versus the Lakers on opening night. No Suns to be found until the second day, the first ESPN game when they play the Mavs. Does it bother you that we didn't get the opening day or Christmas day, or do you really not give a shit? <laughs> I have a different take, kind of just because I, I look at it differently. I love to spend Christmas day just in my Snuggie, eating whatever, and just feeling disgusting. I know I can watch the Suns at the same time, but it depends how bad I feel. I don't want to fall asleep and miss the game because that's the way it is Christmas day for me. So I'm not that upset. I knew we would get some game on national TV, which is fine. I love watching on Fox sports followed up by Dave King and solar panel. So whatever happens happens. I, I wasn't too worried about it. What, I mean, were you upset? Cause a lot of people were upset. They didn't get it. I was the Suns didn't get this game. No, no, not really. I mean, it's just like, like you said, uh, Christmas is spent with family, uh, maybe if it's remotely this year. But, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't count down to Christmas to watch basketball all day. It's not how I spend my, my Christmas day. So, I mean, I'm typically at work in the morning, and then I meet up with family a little bit later. So I don't normally even get an opportunity to watch any of those games. You think about it, though, you know, it, it's more of a respect thing that Suns fans are frustrated with. You know, they feel like they're, they deserve it. You know, given the, the expectations, uh, the Suns should – uh, you know, be playing on December 25th. And it's, you know, yeah. it's something we haven't done since 2009. That was the last time the Suns actually played on Christmas Day. We haven't earned shit, guys. We're excited. We're talking about it. Feels like a dream. CP3's here in Phoenix. We haven't done anything yet. Yeah. So the NBA shouldn't bestow this upon us. They're going to bestow the teams that have earned it and or the, the, the matchups that they feel are going to draw the most ratings. It's a league that has been having a hard time with ratings and they're going to try to coerce viewers into watching things that they think are going to, you know, keep them engaged and, and moving along. So it doesn't bother me at all. I do love the fact that the Suns are playing on the 23rd and they're playing against the Dallas Mavericks because that's who I want to open the season up again. I, I don't know if you remember, but two years ago when it was Luca and uh, DeAndre Ayton's first game, they went up against each other. And that was my birthday that year. There's October 17th, 2018. Mm -hmm. And they whooped that ass, dude. 21 points they beat Luca by. And then they lost the last, the next like seven in a row. <laughs> but uh, what are your thoughts on the Suns going up against the Mavericks in their first game of the season? Oh, it's exciting. You know, a lot of people look at it as Aiden versus Doncic. I love it looking at Mikhail Bridges versus Doncic. That's the yes. one thing I cannot wait to watch because I feel like it's the development of Mikhail Bridges' defense against Doncic or anybody on the floor he's up against. But this is a guy I feel like the Suns have to rely on to actually put a little bit of a stop on Doncic. I don't feel like you can stop him at all. Yeah, he's not. He's like DK Metcalf. I mean, you can't really stop the guy. But you can slow put a little down. bit of effort and slow him down a little bit. That's the matchup I cannot wait to watch. And plus, I think it's just Devin Booker for staunches too forever. I mean, it's going to go on for years and years and years. 
this is the matchup we're going to watch. They're not going to go, of course, go head to head against each other, but those are the two stars. Those are the two superstars on each team. So that's the two players that you're going to want to watch next year. We'll get our Christmas day game against the Mavericks this year. What two days before? It's not bad. It's still it's still Christmas. I'm okay with that, man. I'm great with that. I love uh, some chat going on in YouTube. You know, remember people, if you're watching via YouTube, please subscribe. Please hit the the bell because you want to know when we go live. Well, guess what? Once the sun season begins, we might be going live right after games for 30 minutes to talk about the game. And you want to get a notification if we're going live. So that's how you do that. Uh, But Iverson Vlogs in the chat says, I think we can beat the Mavs on their opener, especially with no KP. Yes, Porzingis will be out. And I love the response to that. Uh, Iso Quant said, we can beat the Mavs with KP. And the fat Doncic. Doncic is going to be fat. He's always fat for the first couple months of basketball, so it'll be fun. All the Suns need to do is getting Luka in a pick and roll, and boom, they're done. It's not going to be a competition. That's something that I'll look forward. Thank you, Iverson Vlogs, for that comment. I think it's something to look forward to is seeing how, you know, to your point, you know, how is Luka? Luka's great on offense because he can – He's got that kind of slow-mo way that he moves and can navigate. But on defense, he's garbage, man. He can't keep up with anybody. You have CP3 running the pick and roll with him, knowing that there's wing shooters on the outside with Devin Booker, who's not going to have to play a a ball-heavy role. And it's just going to be interesting to see how the Suns do. Vincent Stefanelli in the chat, early prediction, Suns make top four in the West if healthy. Shit, man, if they're healthy, they might get all the way up to the number two seed. I think so, too. What backcourts are better in the NBA than the Suns right now? LeBron James and Anthony Davis. That's not a backcourt. That's a front court. No, they can play backcourt. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, they can probably do anything. <laughs> they can do they can whatever they want. <laughs> but I mean, but I mean, think about it. There's not too many backcourts out there that are very, you know, that are that are much better than the Phoenix Suns. No, there, there really, there, there really isn't. No, I mean, off the top of my head, I would say, oh, Steph and Clay, but Clay's out. I mean, exactly. I mean, and who okay, else so, have? So Russell Westbrook and uh, uh, whatever, you know, Bradley, I, Hill, you, know, you, you know, like, uh, I mean, that's it, up there. They're going to put it is, Yeah, of course. Yeah. During the regular season, that's something that you don't want to face playoffs. I don't even know because Bradley Bill's never been in the playoffs, but Bradley Bill, of course, he's like a Devin Booker, a little bit of step below. So, of course, you're going to give the edge to Devin Booker and Chris Paul on that one. Yeah. And then uh, Raymond Gonzalez, Luca likes to bait foul i i hate that that's one of the things you know james harden and luka Doncic yeah. are pros at at uh fake foul bait fouling foul baiting foul, foul baiting. baiting that's yeah so annoying as that may be <laughs> so um if you look at the schedule in its totality it's a 72 game season it's balanced which i think we're both relieved to hear 42 yes. versus the west 30 against the east uh what do you think of this setup Oh, I'm excited. I feel like it's always going to I think after the season they had to find they had to find a way to really balance it out to where the Suns aren't facing the West every other game. It's like cuz the worst thing in the West is if you're in a in a tough grind and you're losing game after game and they're like, "Oh, who's next? The Lakers. Who's next? The Spurs." And then the Mavericks and the Nuggets. It's like that's the way it always is. It's like you go on those midway. What's that road trip they do in or in the Texas? That's the like rodeo, the, the rodeo the rodeo or whatever the yeah, Spurs do every like, year. Let's just get rid of that. Let's just make it even. The East sucks. Give us more of those games, you know? And I feel like even the Suns have to take advantage of that. They have to beat these teams in the East. Yes. They, they are better than almost all of them, uh, with the exception of a few, of course. But they have to have those gimmies. And you know who's not going to let us let the Suns lose those gimmies is Chris Paul. Those are going to be games where in the past the Suns would face these teams, play to their competition, lose those games. Now it's not going to be an issue, dude. I feel like we're gonna we're gonna have to win these games to actually get that number three or number four, or number two seed. 
Yeah, and it's it, I really like how they did it because we were talking about originally that they might end up playing a Western heavy, uh, a Western Conference heavy schedule, and they might do the series. Um, you know, it's like okay, you're playing it like like they, like they're doing in the preseason. The preseason they're playing, you know, two against Utah, then two against the Lakers, and kind of a series format. Uh, you know, reminder tomorrow, half of the schedule from December to March will come out. Um, so we'll actually see how that is structured if they are going to do series against teams. But it really looks like there's going to be a lot of diversity in there and that there's going to be pretty close to yes. normal travel, which, you know, with COVID spiking and everything, I really think it's kind of an interesting approach from the NBA. But I trust the NBA and the way that they will approach it. And so I'm not overly worried about that aspect of it. And again, another reason why it's good the Suns are as deep as they are is if something, you know, if COVID invades the locker room and people uh, don't have the ability to play. And again, yeah. Adam Silver smart. We're releasing half of the season schedule so we can move shit around knowing that we'll have flexibility. It's one thing I'm, I'm not understanding with football. Like football, you can play games till like fucking April if you want to, but they're like, no, the Broncos will put a <laughs> wide receiver at quarterback. Yeah, okay. yeah. No, it was like discipline. That was a weird thing, but honestly, yeah. the, the NBA schedule in the years past, I never really cared. It's not like the NFL schedule. It's like, okay, you're playing because it's so condensed. Like You have to win every game in the NFL. The NBA, yeah. I don't really care about the schedule ever, except for this year. It's going to be very, very interesting how they roll yes. this out. So, so we should find to watch. out tomorrow. What do you think about the seven through 10 t- uh, seven, number seven through number 10 seed play-in tournament? Do you wish uh, they had this last year? You know, yeah, that would have been nice, right? But at least they're experimenting, man. Like, it's so great with the NBA because they actually have the opportunity to do what they need to do this year to to really see what works. Another year, that's not going to be a full season unless they go with a 72-game season in the future, which I feel like they should. I feel like a lot of fans are going to like it. A lot of the players, of course, are going to like it. Uh, speaking of Kawhi Leonard, the players like that, they're going to love it, dude. So I think the 7 through 10 seed is added games and it's perfect i think this is something of course bill simmons always talked about doing they're gonna do it and i think it's gonna catch on and this is why the suns need to win every game they can so they don't have to mess with that thing this year it's crazy because before, be like, before be like oh yes now the sun's gonna be a 10 seed to make the playoffs yeah. you know it's just like that's the way it was and but now it's like no let's skip over that let's get to like the fifth or fourth seed if we can please it's crazy how like two months has changed the entire perspective of this organization. Cause you're right. Last year we're like, come on, man, like get, give us a shot. We got to get to that nine seed. So we have an opportunity yeah. to make the playoffs. And now it's like, dude, I want to be higher than a seven. Cause I don't want to fuck with that, you know, go through that whole season. And then the seven loses to the 10 somehow, you know, the, the 10 might be the Pellies and the Pellies are all of a sudden healthy. And the, the sun's a little, you know, nicked up and dinked up and, we lose in some way, shape, or form. So, you know, yeah. again, I think that we're going to be a much higher seeded than a lot of even national pundits are giving us. And I think a lot of Suns fans were naturally optimistic people. or <laughs> We were forced to be after years and years of losing. You know, I said 44 wins. You said, what, 48, 49 40, wins? 49, 49. Yeah, so, I mean, in a 72-game season, we're definitely putting the, the Suns in the playoffs. So let's try to avoid that 7th through 10. But, again, to your point, I, I think it's a great uh, idea to experiment with that. I, some, I thought that they would do a little bit more of entering that bubble period, but you know what they've thought about? And they said, yeah, let's make this a little bit more exciting, a little bit more interesting for teams throughout the NBA. And it keeps engagement. You know, the NBA, again, they're trying to draw people to them, and this will keep more franchises and fan bases interested if they have an opportunity as the 10 seed to make the playoffs. I just hope it isn't at the expense of the Phoenix Suns. Uh, Shamil Kassin in the... The chat, the Suns defend, going to kill them offenses. It's one thing that, again, we've said before on the podcast, and I'll say it again. I love the fact that this team is built to be versatile and defend. And I think it's something that we're really, as the season begins, we'll really start to appreciate. 
I'm a big fan of Notre Dame football. Okay, we're number two in the country, baby. And Are you? Yes, we oh, is. And one of the reasons is because we have a really good defense. And when you have a good defense, it's something that when you have an awesome offense, like it's it's fun, it's sexy. But when you have a really good defense, like you truly appreciate it. And that's one thing that we're going to need as the Suns organization to grind out. But uh, it's crazy to think. Do you think the point five system is going to be back for the Suns? We have to make decisions because I feel like everything's so different now. I don't even know what to expect with this team. How many points we're going to average? I mean, the NBA as a whole, you're not going to really know a whole lot going into the season. But the Suns offense... I just I can't really see how they're going to be because it's going to be a slower pace. I feel like with Chris Paul, I right? don't though. I don't. I really think, think that. That's- I think so. I think we're trying. We're going to try to slow teams down on defense, but on offense, it's going to be that point five because you have the tools there. You have Devin Booker who can make a decision real quick, and Chris Paul who can make a decision real quick, and then you have quality wings, whether it be Jay Crowder, Mikael Bridges, or Cam Johnson, who can make decisions really quick or or start cutting to the basket, yeah. and DeAndre Ayton who you know. I, he can make decisions late in the, the second half to 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 finally try to be aggressive. You know, I get yeah. so frustrated when I think about DeAndre. But I, I mean, all this talent there, I really feel like, yeah, it's going to be a high scoring offense, mm-hmm. and I'm hoping that they try to slow it down on defense too. I think you know it could be like Hannah Montana, and we're getting the best of both worlds. Oh, dude, poor lady. But the Suns actually have players that can make a decision. That's what you're saying. Yes. <laughs> you know, this is true. We have players yeah. that are going to make a decision. Exactly. They're making decisions right now in the gym. I feel like they live at that gym. I want to go there and just hang out. Their, yeah, their new too. facility. Oh my yeah. God, dude. Me too. I'll that serve them looks- drinks, whatever they want, dude. I'll just hang out. I don't care. You could be their towel boy. There. Yeah. Whatever they want, dude. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about thoughts. Um, Brains. I th- really want to take that intro down to just our thoughts because the brains part's just stupid. I've I've come to the conclusion after about fifteen. To what are you 20. talking about? <laughs> okay, but it's too I've, late now. Yeah, we're whatever. already hundred episodes in almost. I know this it. is this is episode number ninety nine, bro. Cheers yeah, to that. Yeah. Episode ninety nine. Hey, thanks to all the followers. I've been along for the ride. It's been fun. That mm. banquet beer. It's good. Ooh, drinking a Stella there. I see. Um, I did want to talk a little bit about on Christmas Day. As you as I pull up the schedule for those to see, of the six games that are playing, what is the most intriguing matchup to you, Matthew? Well, it has to go to my new favorite team of the East. The damn, Nets. you're gonna damn it. You pick mine too. <laughs> is it? I just I cannot wait. I don't care who the Nets are playing. I'm actually gonna get league pass this year, just because I feel like I need to watch a lot of basketball to do this podcast. If we're gonna have people on here, I gotta know more and more about the sport because Etwan Moore was signed with the Suns. I'm like, who the heck is that? You have. I'm just saying. <laughs> I mean, you've seen him play, but like you don't know his game. I want to know these players, but I'm going to be watching the Nets all season long. So from the get go, so even the though Clay Thompson is not playing, yeah, exactly. Yes. Nets, Nets versus Celtics. Yeah, what does what does Clay Thompson have to do with it? No, it's not. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. See, I was looking at the, the first one, the Warriors, <laughs> the Warriors, and the, the Warriors and the Bucks. Yeah, my bad. Oh, you're talking about Tuesday, December 22nd. Yeah, yeah. The, the first one. Yeah, the yeah. Warriors versus Nets. No, I was talking about Christmas no, Day Christmas. games, Matthew. But yeah, bring me the Nets again then, okay? Let's just uh, save us I'm some in. time. I'm in. That's the team I will be watching on Christmas Day and anytime they're on national television. I'm tuning in to see what the hell the Nets are doing. I want to see Amari Stoudemire and Steve Nash on the yes. sideline with Mike D'Antoni. I'll watch Kyrie. Kyrie might be somebody who people find annoying. His game is not annoying. Kevin Durant's a great guy to watch as well, so I'm looking forward to that matchup. A couple other things that I wanted to talk about was that John Wall um, trade to the and he's on the Rockets and West, Russell Westbrook's on the Washington Wizards. Who wins yeah. that trade? You know, I 
I feel like I win. I haven't seen John Wall play in a long time. Fans True. will win that because if he's going to play alongside James Harden, that's that's pretty awesome because Wall was the best point guard. He maybe top two, top three in the league when he was playing before he got hurt. Now to have him back, I don't know how he's going to be. He might not be the same person, but I'm excited to watch that. Russ can go wherever he wants. It's funny it's the Washington Wizards because I always have them as the butt of the joke. He's going to yeah. be playing with uh, LaMelo Ball. Oh my God, I just realized that. So that's going to be exciting. But besides that, I, I'm actually excited to see John Wall. If he actually plays, we'll see. Who's, playing with, plays. who's playing with LaMelo Ball? Uh, Russell Westbrook. No. LaMelo, oh Ball's in, LaMelo Ball's in Charlotte, bro. Dude, what am I doing? Can you just you wanted you, you, you wanted him to this go to two, Washington. Two strikes. All, yeah, two strikes, man. Two strikes. That's why you know, I You're lucky you're wearing that nice-looking Valley hat, okay? We'll I, keep you on. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna bring Ollie Cosell back and finish the cup the pod with him, okay? Okay, you like that? You like that? Um, oh boy, yeah. Even Raymond Gonzalez, he's like, come on, man. He's in, he's he's, with, he's with yeah, Charlotte. but he's googling it. I don't have a computer in front of me, so I can't even look it up. <laughs> no, uh, I'm I'm interested to see how Washington now comes out that they have Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal. It's gonna mm-hmm. be. I feel like that's a better fit for Russ than being next to um, James Harden. James Harden, think- John Wall, I do not see how that works, dude. Like, this is great for the Suns because you take Russell Westbrook out of the West for the first time in his career and you throw him over there in the East. We get John Wall back, who's a point guard. I mean, he's a scoring point guard, but he's a point guard, like, by every sense of the Big word. point guard, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, it's going to be him and Boogie playing again together for the first time since they played. Is as, Boogie at, playing? Uh, he got signed by the Rockets, and we, we'll see how much he actually plays. Okay. But, I mean, for the first time since playing together at the University of Kentucky, so they're excited. And then you got, like, James Harden, who's, like, the most ball-dominant guy. On a scale of one to fuck yeah, from fuck no to fuck yeah, <gasps> what do you rate the the Rockets' chances of trading James Harden before the season begins? Because I feel like oh. this is, like, what opens the door to Harden being traded. You know, it's funny because D'Antoni's last season with the Rockets was just, let's just – you know, we're playing small. We're going to just shoot the lights. I'll see what happens. I feel like the Rockets are going to try to do that now to keep James Harden. I don't think it's going to be enough. I feel like he's going to ask out. I can't really see what team it's going to be, but I don't see him being there for a full year this year because I just, I don't know how they're going to play unless it's the same system of just Harden shooting all the time and like getting to the rim and all that. And then you have John Wall, who know? I don't know. It's very difficult to see, but you can see that they're trying to throw these guys at James Harden to see if he would stay, but I don't see him staying. Do I don't feel? either. I, I'm the yeah. same. I, I really don't. And, you know, you look at the potential suitors, the Nets have been mentioned, which if he goes to the Nets, um, it, they instantly go from like one of my favorite non-Suns teams to watch to yeah. like bottom five because I can't watch James Harden. I can respect him. I can't watch him. Uh, Philly's another uh, organization that's been rumored to be interested in him. You got the whole Daryl Morey factor there. I feel like they've kind of moved some assets around and an opportunity to maybe make a run for him. Maybe a Tobias Harris trade. Now you throw Tobias Harris on the Rockets next to John Wall, and you might have something interesting. And then, yeah, Harden can go to the East, and we don't have to see you again. Um, but again, that you don't know how much sense that makes if you have Joel Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons there. So I don't know, uh, but I do feel that he will be moved. I feel like this is the the beginning of it. You have a new GM there. You got a new uh, head coach there. I really feel like they're going to just try to wipe the slate clean and maybe garner some assets out of it, whether yeah. it makes sense or yeah. not. Maybe that's what John Wall was, was bringing an asset that doesn't necessarily make sense, but is an asset that could mm-hmm. potentially provide some value moving forward. Yeah, if he shows any kind of promise, there might be a team that won't want him. So We'll see. All right, we've got one mailbag question today. Uh, if you're interested in providing mailbag questions to the show, we've got a couple different 
areas that you can hit us up. You can go to sunsjamsession.com. You can email the show, sunsjamsession at gmail.com, or you can always hit us up on Twitter. I know that every day before we go live, we throw a tweet out there and we say, hey, if you got any questions, you know, here's the time, here's the subject, and if you got any questions, let us know. Those are ways you can get a hold of us. Uh, this one comes via Twitter. This is from at the Vengeance 6 and he said, if you had to choose one player on the Suns to win an NBA award next season, who would the player be and what would the award be, Matthew? This is actually cool. I, I like this question a lot. Me too. And uh, I kind of went a different way with it. I think DeAndre Ayton winning Defensive Player of the Year award. I know <laughs> I know, it's probably not going to happen, but could you imagine, though? I mean, even if we get DeAndre putting up 20 and 10, but his improvement on defense last year, of course, but I feel like he can be that dominant down down on the on the block. I really do. And I think he has maybe a chance in the future to be a Defensive Player of the Year. But just to steal that award next year, I think that'd be the craziest award out of these awards. I mean, you could say Devin Booker winning MVP, of course. Well, that's that's the go-to. Like that's the easy it is. one, right? Like that's the cop out. That's what one. I was kind of thinking a little bit different, you know. I mean, I just because our team, but then you also have Mikael Bridges too, who might even like get a nod defensive player of the year. So that's more great. realistic. But DeAndre Ayton winning it, I think that'd be awesome. If Mikael Bridges or DeAndre Ayton win NBA defensive player of the year like touchdown yeah. two-point conversion what a fantastic season that was the suns clearly have dominated people defensively as i hope that they will so i i applaud yours i think it's the right one um yeah devin booker for mvp it's almost too easy to say but imagine if that actually happened that means that means the suns are in the stratosphere i'll throw another one out there that i'd really like to see and that's dario sarge six man of the year okay. i would really like to see dario sarge yeah, get an opportunity to come in and play that four slash five and just put up, you know, 18 points a game, nine rebounds a game. I mean, those are kind of the numbers you can put up coming off the bench that will win you that award. We've seen it with Montrez Harrell. We've seen it with Lou Will. So if he can be that productive in his time coming off the bench, it will do amazing things for the Suns. It will really solidify that bench because if he's doing that, and you, the other players are going to be playing at a high level as well. And again, what have I always said has been a challenge for the Suns? Consistent scoring off the bench. If we get a guy who's put up 18 points off the bench and wins sixth man of the year, yeah, we're getting that consistent scoring when Devin Booker, Chris Paul, DeAndre are sitting on the bench. So that's where, the way I would go. Are you on mute, Matthew? Yes, yes you that's were. That's what we talked about with Dave King. Is I was, Oh, that's strike three. I think get off the podcast. <laughs> I think I'm out of here. I think I'm out of here. It doesn't even matter what I was going to say after that. Well, it's just it's over. Yeah, it is. It is. A couple from the chat. Uh, Mugshot Gaming Smith, Rookie of the Year. I like that. Yeah. If he wins Rookie of the Year, like fucking a. Now the the challenge he's going to have going against him, obviously, is opportunity. So if he wins Rookie of the Year, that means he got a lot of opportunity, which means a lot of Suns players were probably injured. So we might not want that, but. It's been a while. When's the last time we had a rookie? But it's a year? bad rookie. It's a bad rookie draft. I mean, it's not bad, yes. but it's not like there's no uh, ceiling to it. Other you know? guys like, are going to have more opportunity, though. Exactly. So, well, maybe. DA yeah. for most improve. I like that mm -hmm. one too. You know, uh, but I don't. I think he had a pretty good year. I mean, if he's he most did, improved, he would, he'd be MVP next year. I feel like if he improved, that yeah, much, if he improved, you know? so. thirty and twenty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, one other thing I want to throw out there before we end this podcast, because Matthew's hit three strikes now. So, I mean, we've got to end the podcast. I'm so, I mean, I'm, I'm really disappointed in yeah. him and his performance Almost today. It. Um, it's because he's drinking those Stellas today. But uh, I just want to remind all of our listeners 
uh, that if you play fantasy basketball and you're interested in joining the Suns Jam Session Listener League, which is going to be on ESPN, uh, email the show at sunsjamsession at gmail.com and tell us why you should be one of the 10 lucky listeners to play in the league. We will be drawing the winners on Sunday's show at the back end of the show. So everybody who's yeah. put in a submission, we'll go ahead and we'll just start pulling names out of the hat uh, to fill the remaining spots. And then we have uh, that many people. Yeah, I've got a. I've got a wow. How many spots hat. do we have though? It's have ten, six. right? Yeah, we have six right now. Okay, we have six spots open right now. I know Justin from Fan the Flames. He's playing uh, Adam Stratton, who worked for Valley of the Suns. He's playing, and a couple of our longtime listeners who've been with the show forever. Uh, they reached out to me, and I. I let them come and play as well. So again, if you want to play fantasy basketball with us, it's standard scoring head to head. Um, yeah. It's it'll be fun. It'll be a fun way to interact with the show, and we'll bring it up every now and then. Um, <laughs> Iverson <laughs> vlogs in the in the chat says Matthew, you need to rehearse for Sunday podcast. You know, so, I rehearsed before this one, so damn, I, mean, I can't help you there. You got dude. a beautiful Christmas tree in the background. Jeez. Yeah. Uh, and last thing I want to throw out there, folks, if you're looking for a great gift for I'm going to put my radio voice on. <clears throat> if you're looking for a great gift for the Suns fan in your life, look no further than the Suns Greats print created by yours truly it is available at the Suns Jam Session Redbubble page and is available as a poster, as a print, as a shower curtain, as a T-shirt. Hell, you can get it as a pillow if you want. The link is in the description below if you're watching on YouTube or, again, available at the Suns Jam Session Redbubble page. Thank you for your support. All proceeds go to the Suns Jam Session podcast, John Voida, and his Daybed Foundation. <laughs> so, just had to throw that nerdy thing Very in there. cool, man. I like how you, like, shrink to get that voice going. <laughs> Speaking of voices really quick, did you hear Devin Booker's voice? It got even more deep. I know. How does it what go is, so deep? What has he seen? I want to know what he has seen in this He's seen He's Kendall seen Jenner. Stuff, dude. <laughs> Yeah, Wink, but everyone's seen not, that. Not. Everyone's seen that. <laughs> okay. Well, as B-E-Z in, uh, in the chat says, Fellas. Good night, fellas. I've got nothing else to say. So, everybody, thank you for joining us. We really appreciate it. Again, subscribe to the podcast if you're on YouTube. You can hear us on the Bright Side of the Sun podcast network. Um, make sure you subscribe there as well, obviously. And just, you know, thank you for being a Suns fan and thank you for hanging out with us. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Jamsters. Go home and love your family. Amen, fellas. fellas! What up, fellas? <laughs>